Hey, weirdo, you found it. Welcome to the Fifth Dimension Podcast. Congratulations. What's this podcast about? We talk about the imperceptible, things that affect us that we typically don't see or people rarely talk about. Today's episode is an intro, a segment about us, topics you can expect for us to talk about, and some of the lighter stuff. The Fifth Dimension is often described as imperceptible. Our aim here is to discuss the imperceptible topics that are going unnoticed or rarely get talked about. So guests will bring their views and things they want to talk about. This case, this can be currently described as a current events podcast, and we'll explore the unexplored and venture into areas that make us think deeper and thoughtfully about things that seemingly don't matter or they should matter. So hi, my name is Juan Rivas, and you may know me from another podcast. I host the Let's Talk Trio podcast. In that podcast, I focus on the trio community and all the great stories that come out from students, staff, and alumni. However, this Fifth Dimension podcast with my co-host, my brother, who will introduce himself shortly, will be vastly different from what I have in the other podcast. Here, I get to unleash a little bit more about myself and some of the personal thoughts and things I think about. When this podcast was brought up, uh, my brother and I initially had this idea of having four of the brothers on here. Unfortunately, that did not pen out. So we had to go back to the drawing board, redraw our plans. Yeah. (laughs) Boo. Um, But here we are. We are creating this new podcast out of the ashes of of one of the idea that got burned to the ground. Out of the ashes comes a new one. Exactly. So uh, what's up, you weirdos? My name is Luis. You may or may not know me at all, but that's okay. You soon will in this podcast. Right on. So what is it that we're interested in? Things that we are passionate about. What is that? Uh, for me, it's always been education. Education has been kind of a cornerstone for me. I think going through middle school and high school, I realized how important attaining an education really is, especially experiencing my own educational renaissance in high school. You know, I think about this uh, from time to time. And over the years, uh, things that I'm passionate about, things that interest me have always shifted. But for the time being, I really enjoy reading and writing. Uh, some Spanish literature, and this has sparked a new goal for me to go back to NMSU for a master's in Spanish and pursue a career as an interpreter. Hey, man, that's amazing. I think uh, going back to college, uh, getting back to go get a master's, that is uh, super, super amazing. Uh, what uh, kind of led to that process? Why, why, why did you want to do that? The reason I want to pursue the degree uh, in, in Spanish is mostly... It's mostly due to the fact that I've enjoyed reading um, Spanish literature, but for the most part, I want to I want to change field. You know, I want to change my uh, my my field of work. Right and on, man. Found it necessary to educate myself and expand my vocabulary and my knowledge in Spanish. I think that's super important, and it's a wonderful transition to what we're about to discuss, that empowering ourselves with knowledge, but also being humble enough to consult others and, and get a clear, clear picture of our understanding. Uh, that's what knowledge is supposed to be all about. I think it's crucial to understand the process uh, and how the world works around us. Um, but I feel like lately, though, that given all this wealth of access that we have the internet, people make half-assed attempts to learn. And I think that's a detriment to us. Um, that because of that, people make half-baked conclusions and suddenly they feel like they're experts when in fact they're not. Yeah, I hear you on that. You know, I, you know, I think like about 15, 20 years ago, uh, maybe even further back, um, the establishment and societal status quo 
hasn't changed, you know. Uh, I think people were more receptive to staying in their lanes or having respect between the difference of expert and novice. Uh, I think yeah. expert and novice were distinct, but it just seems like nowadays these distinctions have become blurred or eliminated all com uh, completely, where now you have Joe Schmo from Podunk USA claiming to know the truth about certain, if not most things. And it's, I think it's very alarming. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think uh, take the COVID-19 conversation, for example, right? We had first the, the conversation about the virus and then the vaccine. Uh, it is clear uh, that, that the experts have labeled this virus as dangerous, that because it show has... Us, show, us the, uh, show us those records. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it's show us the death records. Show us the show us this. And, and these are half-baked conclusions to me because you're only focusing on one data set. If it's death, right, then that's all you're focused in and you're not really seeing the whole picture. So this goes back to the minimal research these folks do suddenly spawn these conspiracy theories that the virus is not a threat. Uh, even though a majority of doctors have already said, these are these are experts in their fields that have said, in the long term, this virus can pose a threat. Uh, and having a proactive approach to stem the tide uh, to keep it from running rampant, I think that uh, that's the intention. And I think folks that make half-assed research attempts uh, don't see that. They they don't see the bigger picture. They see they stay focused on the very narrow of uh, well, the death rates don't match, or the 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 long-term exposure, or the way that I catch the virus. None of that matches in their in their line of thinking. Uh, another example of this ramp is this rampant nationalism gripping the country. I think half-assed research uh, has hindered us and given us the inability to actually look at political candidates candidates critically. We have a government where Lauren, Bo Lauren Bolbert of District 3 in Colorado gets to have a seat and spew ignorant statements. I've seen her already in action today in, in Congress, and a lot of it is gotcha questions that she's belting out, and she just looks completely out of her element and completely like, right, like what are you doing? What's the point of asking... Uh, a border patrol agent if they're experiencing depression or what's the point of looking at suicide rates if you're not going to do anything about it uh so to me bringing up a point without actually addressing it only makes you look more ignorant uh so i'm very ashamed yeah excuse yeah excuse me excuse me yeah yeah go for it go for it go for it excuse me so that's one the thing me and my brother do excuse me excuse me excuse me, excuse me, excuse me sir excuse me uh if i may so probably i mean these things that look like they're these things that they look like they're like, where are they going? Like, where is she going with this? These type of things, these political little st stunts from what we see, right? From, from mm -hmm. our perspective, these, like, these are political stunts. Where is she going with it, right? And yeah. I think it's, to, put it, to put it in simple terms and to put it very basic, she's just stoking the fire, stoking the, her base, right? Absolutely. The things oh, that yeah. her base wants to hear, th this is the, these are the things that um, these radicals want to hear, right? Um, and and so she does that. She has to, she has to play her part, or else how else would she get elected? You know. Oh, absolutely. And I think being more knowledgeable about researching uh, candidates and and politicians like Lauren Boebert would prevent us from making this same repeated mistake. Uh, I honestly think that uh, Lauren Boebert should not have won. Uh, she brings very little to value to Colorado. She hasn't done anything, uh, anything for District 3 anyway. So I think humbling ourselves and learning from a variety of sources would filter out bad actors like Bobert. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the wor what worries me the most here, um, as we've already mentioned, are the radicals, uh, radicals on the right, right? And I would say, oh yeah, there's radicals on both sides, but right now I'm gonna focus on radicals on the right, mainly because that's where all this extreme nationalism is coming from, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Agents like Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene are these mouthpieces to this extremism that we've seen over the last few years. And with, with radicals and extremists having a voice, most feel emboldened to act and do and say whatever they want without any, without any repercussions to them, right? Right. And I think some of the red flags um, of these radicals are, like you mentioned, conspiracy theorists, your QAnon, yeah. you know, your QAnon people, religious fanatics, racist, and obviously the misinformed. So th those are just some of the things that I'm really passionate about. Uh, Luis, what about you? What are some of uh, your passions, some of the things that you really like to uh, to do outside of uh, outside of what your, the work that you do? Well, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, my current interests are are just reading and writing, man. Um, I find it, like I've mentioned uh, already, it's, it's comforting and it's uh, extremely therapeutic for myself, uh, especially since the year that we had already uh, with the loss of our dad. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it hurts and it'll continue to hurt, but I think I found some solace and peace with the, with the reading and the writing because uh, it reminds me that uh, dad was also a, uh, a scholar, you know? Absolutely. Maybe, you know, I, he, he, he went to community college. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. He preached to us uh, to, get, to get an education, to become knowledgeable, right? Mm -hmm. so I, find, I find there's some solace to me uh, with these hobbies of mine or just reading and writing. And it's been, it's been very therapeutic for me, man. Right on. Uh, what are you currently reading? Uh, right now, I'm reading a couple things. I'm reading some Nietzsche. And man, that that can go pretty crazy pretty quickly. Um, I'm reading a lot of uh, Julio Cortazar, uh, Pablo Neruda, and um, and I just finished Don Quixote. So um, I mean, and that was quite a read. I hear that that book can get pretty long. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's an investment really one has to make to sit down and actually go chapter by chapter. Mm -hmm section by section and completing that story. It's a wonderful story. Um, I think it's really good. If I were to give it a rating, it'd probably be like a B. A B, all right. It's a good read, but it's definitely overhyped for what it is. <laughs> you gotta respect the classics. It's a classic and all, and I get where it's coming. I get where people come from. <laughs> from, a, from a scholarly point of view, it seems like everybody's like, well, you gotta respect this masterpiece because you know it's, it's it's the early form of the novella, you know. Uh, Cervantes sure, sure. has a, a a novella that everybody couldn't read with the depth into it, right? It's right. The, it's one of the first and unique forms of, of a novella, and um, and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not going to take that from Cervantes. You know, it's a great it's a great story. It's a great read, but to me, <laughs> at the very end, I was like, meh. <laughs> so not all that impressed. Not all that impressed. <laughs> Good, but not impressed. Good, but not impressed. Gotcha. What about, uh, you mentioned writing earlier. Are you currently working on any works? Uh, what inspires you to do all this writing? Most, what inspires me to write is just creating itself. 
um, to me, there's a sense of joy and pride in writing these drafts, you know, um, the process of building. Um, most of the time, it's just, it's, it's creating the drafts. And because of it, because of this process of creation, there's some pleasantness to it, you know? And when the final, and then when I finally type up the final product, the creation's at its finest form. Uh, but I always remember the early stages, you know, the upbringing, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, joy in building, but the pride in its final form. Ah, right on. Uh, Luis, what, uh, this world is stressful enough as it is. Uh, so what do you do to unwind? Well, uh, like I've already mentioned, man, um, uh, my hobbies that usually just chill me out are the reading and writing. Yeah. Uh, that's really what I like to focus on. It's like I said, it's been very therapeutic for myself and um, it brings me comfort. It used to be video games for a while, but uh, yeah. that's on by the wayside. Huh. Uh, I think for me, I'll go ahead. What? I hear you like games. You're always talking about uh, what is it that you play? Oh, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's a, a bit of podcasting, but definitely return to the video gaming roots. Uh, you and I, we grew up on Nintendo, Super Nintendo, uh, the PlayStation 1, uh, PS2 for a brief period, and then we kind of just branched out, right? We grew up and we have families and all that, kept busy, professional lives. But uh, I, I used to be a very competitive gamer. I uh, In the early, in the, in the mid-2000s, I was super competitive. Um, but then that kind of fell to the wayside. I was uh, either not good at it anymore or just didn't feel like playing it. But I find myself returning to The Legend of Zelda because that's nostalgic for me. Hold, I think, on, hold oh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's up? You were a competitive gamer on what? I was. What game? Uh, Marvel versus Capcom 3. A fighting game? The fighting game. that I was uh, ranked number 10 across the world. No, no shit. For real? No. Yeah, man, I was. Uh, I was a ranked gamer. Uh, I, I fell... I went, once, uh, oh God, that game came out a long time ago. Uh, I want to say in the early 2010s. And then uh, I I quickly picked it up, mastered it. I had my own three-team combo. I was pretty efficient at it. Uh, and I was grinding, like, Who just to make team? sure. Wait, wait, wait. Excuse me, sir. No, excuse, shoot. Excuse me. <laughs> Who was your team? And let me guess one of them. All right, all right. Spider-Man. Yes. Spider-Man was at the core of the team. He he provided the agility, oh, flexibility. Who is man? <laughs> hey, uh, I'm a Marvel fan and a Spider-Man fan, so that's just the natural progression of things. But but Spider-Man didn't have any other Marvel allies. The other two were strictly Capcom. Uh, I got uh, Dante from Devil May Cry and uh, Ryu, uh, the, the guy I always go for for Street Fighter. So they made the team, and... Uh, I could get a pretty lengthy combo going uh, using those three. Uh, but yeah, I, I was once a ranked uh, competitive fighter for video games. I did not know that. Damn. Yeah. Not yeah. Really Shit. How but that I man, dude, that, that fell to the wayside. <laughs> What's that? It's the game that goes, I want to take you for a ride. No, that's uh, number two. Number oh, three okay. was the, ult uh, they call it ultimate now. Uh, but uh yeah that that one uses the uh, marvel versus capcom 2 that one uses a different format and i think it has a, a bigger roster than number three but uh yeah you and i grew up on uh, super nintendo nintendo and i came back to playing legend of zelda just for nostalgic reasons uh so i bought the super legend nintendo of zelda was video. Oh, what was that super nintendo was the best oh yeah i think sega. that was the hey, goat all you sega guys or, or girls all the sega oh, hey, all, the, oh, all the atari guys 
hold anything Stop to it. Nintendo. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Go get help. So Super Nintendo just ha- couldn't, you couldn't hold a candle to Super Nintendo until PlayStation 1 came out. Dude, and we could talk about video games all day. I think PlayStation 1 revolutionized our ideas of what video games could be. Because Super uh, the Nintendo Nintendo brand followed a specific formula for all of the franchises. Zelda, Mario, they followed a, a very specific formula. And then PlayStation came out. And they came out with a broad genre of video games from racing games, fighting games, uh, all of these games that uh, that uh, eventually Super Nintendo or the Nintendo system couldn't keep up with. Yeah, great games. Resident Evil. Oh, yeah, man. I think I think I remember you playing or Jose playing uh, Resident Evil and I think uh, Nightmares for, for a while. I would say I would say Resident Evil is like the OG, one of the OG jump scares. Games. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that game. That game, man. Uh but what I loved about these video games is that they they introduced us to like puzzle slash uh strategy, right? And I think that's what I loved about the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is that it brought a lot of nostalgia. Like when we played Link to the Past, it it brought in strategy, brought in how to how to approach uh this next sequence of your of of the goal. Uh so for me Legend of Zelda, but when but, I, but 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 Sonic goes zoom <laughs> for the Sonic fans out there. Uh, for me, I, I, I have already beaten the game once, so I wanted to revisit it and making it a little bit more challenging for me. It doesn't surprise me that you uh, that you play games, dude. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, I didn't even know that you were a ranked gamer. So, I mean, shit. Man, I probably lost a lot of that skill. I I, I know I, I did. Know why it's shocking? I don't know why it's shocking. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong either. I mean, for, for a while, I was glued to a different type of game. You know, I was playing a, a Magic the Gathering Arena online. And uh, I mean, that was my thing. Uh, go team uh, Demir. And uh, yeah, uh, that was my game, man. And I, I, I played it a lot. But uh, like anything else, like anything else except for the reading and writing, I mean, it just I lost interest. Yeah, but it's good to see that you still like the Zelda franchise. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, but we can agree, right? That there are typically three difficulties in a video game: easy, medium, hard. Right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you remember what was it called? Solid Snake? No, Metal Gear. Oh, Solid. Metal Gear. I do it. I still. I only had one difficulty level, right? That was just hard. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, easy, medium, hard are most uh, difficulties. Right, right, right. Uh, I remember Battletoads, dude, and how uh, even in the easy mode, it was still difficult. Uh, I think I shed a tear just now. <laughs> but typically, typically, video games give us easy, medium, or hard. Uh, so these are, those are the three de- degrees of difficulty we can all agree, agree on. I am proud to say I have discovered a fourth degree of difficulty that you will not find in any video game. Do tell. What is it? It's in fact a self-imposed difficulty. I say I only discovered it because recently I talked to you about revisiting this game and you made it a self-imposed difficulty. And I call this difficulty. What's that? A self-imposed difficulty. What? Yeah. I call it the Luis difficulty. Bruh. The Luis difficulty me? Really? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. So when I informed you that I was replaying 
Excuse the legend me. of Zelda. Am I that hard to get along with that it's difficulty? <laughs> the least of... No, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. I think uh, that could, your your social acumen can be discussed at a later time. Uh, but no, I'm talking about how you approach video games. Because when I told you, hey, I'm, I'm going to revisit this game, you told me, all right, replay the video game. But when you restart it, do not use crazy powerful weapons and stick only to the basic weaponry. Yeah, man, you, I'm telling you, you got to mix it up. Because when you beat a game that you you love, uh, you'll always come back to it, right? And since you beat the game already, you know what to expect. Uh, so I suggested in order to make things difficult, I mean, fun. Uh, right? you, 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 you said fun? difficult. You made it, you, you, you said hard wrong. Oh, that's that what I did? What I meant to say, <laughs> what I meant, look, look. What I meant Miserable. Miserable. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> what I meant to say, if you want to make a game more fun, one has to downgrade weapons and armor and see what happens, man. Create the challenge. Make it fun. I don't, in Breath of the Wild, so just the, so the audience knows, if you pick up the copy, I'm preparing myself for the sequel. So the sequel is coming out. Uh, this self-imposed difficulty, you cannot upgrade weapons. So the, the weapons that you start off with picking up is a tree branch, a traveler sword, a rusty sword, a knight's uh, broadsword. All of those weapons you could stick with. Anything beyond that, you cannot use. So a royal sword, a crazy powerful uh, guardian sword, you cannot use those. Those are ex-nay, ex-nay, uh, out. You cannot use it according to Luis's rules. That makes the game too easy. So now you have to stick to traveler swords and knight swords. That's it. Uh, another added difficulty to this, so I'm, I'm already going in there, right? Fighting enemies with tree branches and boulders that I can pick up. This, uh, is, my this is my favorite, man. <laughs> but I'm repeatedly breaking these uh, weapons because in the game, these weapons don't last long. As soon as you use them, they start wearing and they break. Um, but after throwing myself and after many, many, many deaths, this self-imposed difficulty, uh, also another layer to this is Luis said, I cannot so in the game, you discover shrines, you conquer them, you get a spirit a spirit orb. Usually you can exchange those spirit orbs for extra hearts uh, or a stamina container. Luis has okayed a stamina container because you can run all day, but he said no extra hearts using the spirit orb. So I said, all right, got to throw that out the window. No extra hearts. <laughs> no extra hearts. But you can earn extra hearts by defeating the the divine beasts that have been conquered by Ganon's uh, duplicates. So you can defeat uh, the, the divine beast. They drop a heart. You can get those. Luis says that's perfectly okay. But I'm going to tell you, Luis, my initial run at this wasn't very successful. But I will say, as I made progress, I find myself relishing a little bit more of what I've earned. See? It makes a world of difference when one plays, uh, you know, with a slight disadvantage, you know, uh, it brings, it, it, like you said, it, it brings that much more, it brings victory that much more appealing. Absolutely. And it, it's a shame that it can't be said uh, about the game of life, you know? Absolutely. I think also, and as you were making in your point that uh, you just become more strategic and more intentional about the path that you're taking and you're using now, truly you're becoming resourceful. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, that's the first podcast episode, shall we call it?
I think so. I mean, it's it's the first it's the first episode, so I mean, let's take it just chill uh, episode at a time. So let's call it. All right, man. Well, thank you all so much for listening to our very first episode of the Fifth Dimension podcast with definitely more to come. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, And if there's one thing you're going to hear me say more than once, it'll be to take the time to raise your levels of consciousness or awareness. Um, Realize your realization of reality is what I would say. Because as Juan will let you know, folks, according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, we are at 90 seconds to midnight. Let's make every effort to be kinder and more understanding of each other. Thank you all so much.